Hi, everyone. You are listening to Big Easy Biography, a weekly podcast where we uncover a little bit of New Orleans history one story at a time. Join me as we travel to all corners of the city and across 300 years of time, hunting down some of the most interesting details and exciting events. I'm your host, Maggie McGovern, and thanks for listening. Hey everyone, today's episode is going to be a feature on the 1984 World's Fair that was hosted in New Orleans. It was not only the last World's Fair to be hosted in the United States, but also the only exhibition to declare bankruptcy during its run. So it was simultaneously a very fun six months for the city as well as a very stressful six months for the coordinators and stakeholders since the numbers they had been expecting were just not being met. Um, But nevertheless, I'm going to take you on a little tour today through the fair and go over what happened and what might have accounted for this financial fiasco. As always, links to sources and bonus content will be listed in the show notes on our website, bigeasybiography.com. And I want to shout out the book I used for most of my research on this subject called The 1984 New Orleans World's Fair by Bill Cotter. It's full of images and blueprints, as well as lots of great information and stats on the fair. And it really gave me a sense of what a day at the World's Fair during its run would have been like. A link to that will be listed in the show notes. Anyway, thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's episode on the 1984 World's Fair. Hello again, everybody, from the 1984 World's Fair. You're looking at shots of the uh, mart, the Mississippi Aerial River Transit System, 350 feet above the Mississippi River, giving passengers a spectacular view of the World's Fair site. And you're looking onto the west bank of the river now, across from the city of New Orleans. This has been a wonderful day for the opening of the World's Fair. The weather could not have been better. The temperatures about. It's the summer of 1984. Visitors from around the world buzz through the exhibitions and attractions, and locals come in droves to absorb all that they can of this once-in-a-lifetime experience. The theme is the world of rivers, fresh water as a source of life. Appropriately, the fair's infrastructure nestles along the Mississippi River, stretching across 82 acres, including the mart that took passengers from the East Bank to the West Bank in a gondola that soared 350 feet over the river. On May 12, 1984, Malcolm Bridge, the U.S. Commerce Secretary, officially opened the festivities on behalf of Ronald Reagan. Mayor Dutch Morial stated at the opening ceremonies, quote, There will be no strangers at this fair. Let the good times roll. We celebrate this fair as beneficial to the enjoyment of everyone. The fair's mascot, Seymour D. Fair, was a top hat wearing pelican with spats. His name was decided by a woman named Susan Shambra, the winner of a contest to name the mascot that was sponsored by the chain convenience store Time Saver. According to the Times-Picayune, Seymour D. Fair was in competition with names like 
Huey P. Longbill, Frenchie, Puddin'Puss, Louie, Crazy Laidback Fred, that's hyphenated by the way, and Etouffee, to name a few. The last time the World's Fair had been hosted by the city was in 1884, exactly 100 years earlier for the World Cotton Centennial. At that time, Audubon Park was brimming with visitors in bowler hats, waistcoats, and parasols. Decades before radio broadcasting, electric washing machines, or penicillin. Both fairs suffered similar financial fates, but more on that later. Because here, in 1984, hundreds of people filter through the city gate entrance framed by 30-foot mermaids. They pack into long lines to experience the Louisiana journey, an indoor 130,000 square foot air-conditioned boat ride simulating swamps and bayous, telling the story of Louisiana's history through its prominent waterways. Others step on the monorail that cruises through the Great Hall above all the attractions and pavilions. Guests peer out the windows as they glide over indoor lagoons to Taste of Louisiana, where restaurateurs serve up local drinks and cuisine. And then over to the Mississippi Pavilion, where over 42 projector screens are synchronized to create the 140-foot screen that entertains guests with a film about the region's history narrated by James Earl Jones. Concept cars like the Chrysler Stealth, with its overhead Navstar satellite, a precursory GPS system, are on display, and the country's tallest Ferris wheel at the time, the Giant Wheel, hosts hundreds of guests at once, reaching a peak of 178 feet at its height. And to top off the innovative spirit of the World's Fair, NASA's first space shuttle orbiter, Space Shuttle Enterprise, sits at the International Riverfront. This is all just a sampling of what a day at the World's Fair would have included. The fair was separated into six sections across 82 acres. Bayou Plaza, Festival Park, International Riverfront, The Great Hall, Fulton Street Mall, and Centennial Plaza. Connecting Bayou Plaza and the International Riverfront was the Cajun Walk, a covered walkway over the Bayou Lagoon built to resemble local fishing piers. Docked in the lagoon was the famous boat, African Queen, from the 1951 film starring Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn of the same name. The International Riverfront held pavilions that celebrated countries all over the globe, 25 including Japan, China, Germany, and some pavilions that weren't completed when the fair opened in May. Among those were Liberia, Peru, and the pavilion that held Honduras, Belize, and the Dominican Republic. Fairgoers could experience high art, seeing the Entombment of Christ by Caravaggio at the Vatican Pavilion, and in the same day, see a 35-minute high dive and synchronized swimming act at the Coca-Cola Aquacade. I asked around to find out what some people remembered most about the fair. The gondola. It was gorgeous, because we went, I can remember going in, at, um, you'd go over the Mississippi River at night, and you could see the moonlight on the Mississippi River. It was just unbelievable. It was just so much fun. It just seems like it was this whole period of time that that was the thing that everyone had in common, that everyone hung out at the World's Fair. I wish it would have been more of a financial success, but for the people that went to it, it seemed very successful because it was so much fun. And another thing was they retired one of the space shuttles. It was just 
it was wild because back then, space shuttle, I mean, nowadays, uh, there were rockets that go off to space all the time. In 84, God, you know, the space shuttle was amazing. Now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what might have happened and what the fair did and didn't leave behind for the city of New Orleans. Hey, Big Easy Biography listeners. Designing and launching your website shouldn't be a difficult process. With hundreds of different tools and limitations, many web building sites can leave you discouraged or not feeling proud of the digital content that is going to represent your personal brand, your blog, or your business. Landing Lion offers the solution. Landing Lion combines the creativity and efficiency you want when designing a web page making it easy to consolidate your workflow into one intuitive platform so that you can build journeys, not just websites. Crafting your unique website requires more than editing a basic template. Whether you're a beginner or experienced web designer, Landing Lion's intuitive yet powerful page builder helps you create exactly what you have in mind. Landing Lion is interactive start to finish, allowing you to test your design and understand how to best communicate with your visitors and track anonymous visitors to discover what content is most helpful to your brand. Start your free trial with no time limit and no credit card required. Visit LandingLion.com today to get started on building a journey for you or your client. Landing Lion. Craft. Launch. Discover. took over a decade of preparation, left its mark on the riverfront's infrastructure, and drove millions of people to the heart of the city. Yet, the 1984 World's Fair legacy stands out not for its ingenuity, but for being the only exposition to declare bankruptcy during its run. So what happened? Well, the fair certainly didn't get off to a good start when Archbishop Hannon blessed the Mart gondola on opening day and got stuck dangling over the Mississippi River halfway to Algiers. Many people think that tourists were just spread too thin. The 1984 Summer Olympics took place in Los Angeles that year, and the previous World's Fair had been just two years prior in Knoxville, Tennessee. That same year in 1982, Walt Disney World had opened its newest theme park, Epcot, which had many of its own World's Fair-like qualities and attractions that drove traffic to Orlando rather than New Orleans. Overall, $350 million were invested to create the 1984 World's Fair that aimed at boosting the tourism industry and rebuilding the warehouse district. Organizers planned for almost 12 million visitors during the six months that the fair would be open. However, the fair was not as successful as it had planned to be and lost $100 million because of it. Peter Spurney, the fair's president who had also overseen the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, said on the closing day of the fair on November 11, 1984 that, quote, it was the best of times and the worst of times. I think from a show standpoint, it was great, he said. 
He goes on to talk about how, from a business standpoint, the fair, quote, left a lot to be desired, end quote. And that five million fewer people visited than expected, but that nevertheless, it will have had a beneficial impact on the history of the city. What makes you sure, Peter? Well, I, I can't uh, say that. That would be self-serving. History's going to have to say that. But I see what's out there. I know what uh, we accomplished. I know that this district needed the adrenaline, the catalyst of a World's Fair. With the Rouse development, the gondola, 27 warehouses, this convention center, streets, sidewalks, Fulton Street, all the ingredients are there. The infrastructure for the hospitality in industry has been greatly enhanced. The yellow flag, the yellow flag is that New Orleans is not the easy sell, the big magnet that we thought it was. And that's what we have to learn from this, that if we're going to benefit from what we have here, we've got to get out and promote our community, promote it very, very competitively. And if we do so, then I think this community has a tremendous future in the tourism business. Today, there are a few remnants of the fair. Installments like the Mart and the Monorail were removed soon after the fair ended, and some never even came to fruition. There had been plans, for example, to build a Tower of New Orleans, a permanent structure that would look down Julia Street. It would have functioned as a rotating restaurant 800 feet high with indoor and outdoor observation decks. Adequate funding was never secured for it, however. The Ernest N. Morial Convention Center, an important venue for tourism and commerce as well as a much-needed shelter after Hurricane Katrina, still remains. The warehouse district is now a revitalized and thriving part of town for businesses, bars, and restaurants. And for locals who experienced the fair, it was an unforgettable six months that brought the excitement and significance of the World's Fair to their own backyards. I'm Maggie McGovern, and thanks for joining us this week on Big Easy Biography. You can keep up with the show on Instagram and Twitter at Big Easy Bio and follow Big Easy Biography on Pinterest as well to get travel ideas, recipes, and other fun extras. If you like what you hear, follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hi, this is Madeline McGovern, and if you like Big Easy Biography, you should check out the new podcast that my sister Maggie and I are creating called Sister Stuff. It's a weekly podcast where we sit down and talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. Topics will come up like, what do you respond to flirty DMs, planning the best Disney World trip, and embarrassing life not-so-hacks that we do way more often than we'd actually like to admit. So you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Sister Stuff. It's stuff, but um, with sisters. <laughs>